Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Hiva, and I am fired up and ready to fucking go. And you know what that makes me think of? I was thinking about this earlier. I often am kind of activated when I come to record this podcast. I come into it with angsty, kind of cunty kind of energy, like a little a little bit of light anger, some might say. Definitely activated though, not like mellow and zen and like, hi, my name is Rain and we're going to be talking about self-improvement today and like, just like love and light to the universe and love everyone around you and we're all the same and you just take a few deep breaths and it'll be better and just learn to love yourself more and all your problems will I'm like instead like I just come into it like psychopath energy right and a lot of that is because whatever that's just not my thing like that's and I don't think that that's real and I think everything that I just said in my rain impersonation is so untrue but that brings me to (laughs) this point that honestly I might not make any sense today I'm fucking tired I don't know I just got back from a weekend away but you know, there's a lot of focus on nervous system regulation right now. And maybe that's just that I'm so focused on nervous system regulation right now. I don't know. But I constantly hear and see people talking about wanting to get back to the parasympathetic nervous system, that rest and digest, you know, where the, the nervous system state where we're relaxed, which is great. You know, of course, we live in a society where we're chronically in our sympathetic nervous system. Sympathetic is, quote unquote, fight or flight. It's when there's danger or there's something. And so you get activated so that you can face it. And we are chronically in modern society in our sympathetic nervous system and not so much in our parasympathetic nervous system. But that doesn't mean that the sympathetic nervous system is bad and that we should never be in it. It plays such an important role. It, you know, if there is danger, if there is something, it has to be there. And I was thinking about it. I tend to be charged when I come and record this podcast. And I think that's a good thing. I show up with energy. I show up to fucking crush it. I show up ready to fucking go. And it might not be the right energy for some people who would prefer a Zen rain type of person. But if that's what you prefer, this also probably isn't the show for you. You know, not that I am not calm at some points, but 
you know, I I, I want to get to this broader point of we have such a tendency to think so black or white in this society. It's like inflammation is bad. Everything is anti-inflammatory. Okay, but there's a role that inflammation plays. I mean, yes, most of us have way too much systemic inflammation and that is a problem, but that doesn't mean that all inflammation is bad. Same with cortisol. We tend to think of cortisol as this always negative thing, but it's not always negative. Cortisol plays an important role. So do all of our emotions. Anger plays an important role. Sadness plays an important role. Rest plays an important role. All of these things play an important role. So I just want to encourage all of us to not think black or white about things and to embrace the full spectrum that is life. And that is why you should embrace my cuntiness. <laughs> Okay, moving right along. Ooh, I don't know if you can hear all that noise. I don't know what the fuck is going on here today. I literally just got back into town and the apartment is a whole new place. I have a new dryer. I don't know if I've talked to you guys, but I was having this dryer issue for a while where my dryer was so fucking loud. I'll post a video of it on my stories. It was so it was so loud that I'm not even joking. I could feel the vibration of the dryer in the lobby of my building. And I live in a former commercial space that's been converted into lofts. And there's concrete in between the floors. And the floors are huge. Like my ceilings are very, very high. So to be able to feel the dryer on a different floor, I mean, the way I tell you one night, I was legitimately afraid that the dryer was going to explode. That's how fucking loud it was. It was out of control. Anyway, um, this dryer guy came several times to try to fix it and finally realized that it's not fixable and it has to be replaced. And they replaced it quite quickly, might I add. I mean, the turnaround, I think he was there on Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday is when he realized that it's not fixable and it has to be replaced. It was replaced on Friday morning. And I came back to this beautiful new dryer. I can't fucking wait to use it. Anyway, um, I just want to say that I thank you so much for all the feedback from last episode. It was everyone loved it. And I I, I agree. <laughs> I think it was excellent work on my part. Um, no, it was a great episode. And I was thinking since everyone kind of resonated with it, how do you guys feel about doing kind of an internal blush challenge where we decide to not complain for 24 hours? That's it. Because it's not sustainable in the long term. You have to be able to voice your thoughts and feelings and things like that. But I think it's fine to try to not complain for 24 hours. And you can just jot down notes that you have and you can do them after the 24 hours. But I just think trying to do it and be mindful of it will show all of us how much we actually complain all the time. So yeah, if that's something that interests you guys, let me know and we can figure out when to do it. Again, it's just going to be for 24 hours. Okay, there are a couple of things I want to talk about before I get into the actual topic of today, which is going to be very different from anything we've done in the past. And I'm kind of excited and curious to see how it goes. Okay, number one, 
I, this came up this past week and I thought it was so interesting. My friend Alyssa, who you guys know, she's been on this podcast, Alyssa Alter. She's been on twice and I've been on hers twice. So definitely go check all those episodes out. She's amazing. So she has two kids now. She gave birth. Congrats to Alyssa. If you saw her the last time she was on the podcast, she was pretty pregnant and she has since given birth to her second child. But her older child is, how old is Everett? I think he's around three or so maybe. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. So Everett this past week, one morning said that he wanted kiwi eggs for breakfast. I guess he saw a kiwi on the counter and they'd been doing stuff, you know, that week where they were putting things in eggs. And so he saw a kiwi on the counter and he's like, I want kiwi eggs. And Alyssa said, wow, how creative. Okay, let's make that. And she said, listen, because this is an experiment and we don't know how it's going to go, I'm only going to use one egg so that if you don't like it, we don't waste all the eggs. She made him kiwi eggs, put eggs in his kiwi, gave it to him. He tasted it. He said the kiwi was good hot, but then he proceeded to pick out all of the kiwi and he just ate the eggs and it, it is what it is, right? And her and I started having this conversation about it because I was saying to her how much I admire that approach and how we were raised so differently. Like in our generation, when we were kids, I think if most of us, if we said to our parents, hey, I want kiwi eggs, most of our parents would have said, go fuck yourself. (laughs) I'm just kidding. They wouldn't have said that, but they would have said, no, I'm not going to make you that. That's ridiculous. That's disgusting. You're not going to like it. You're not going to enjoy it. Trust me. I'm not going to make you that. I'm not going to waste all the eggs. Instead, Alyssa had this beautiful approach where she said, wow, how creative. She nurtured his creativity. She said, hey, I don't know if you're going to like it, so I'm only going to use one egg so there isn't tremendous food waste. But she still made it for him. And then he realized that, okay, he doesn't like kiwi in his eggs, which did she know he wasn't going to like kiwi in his eggs? Of course she knew that. Of course she fucking knew that. She's not an idiot. She's had eggs before. She's had kiwis before. We all know that that doesn't sound like it would be good. But the point is she nurtured his creativity instead of saying no to him instead of putting him down she said oh my god what a creative and amazing idea and then used it as a learning opportunity for him to nurture himself to learn things on his own to experience things and I think it's so beautiful and amazing and I just want to commend Alyssa for doing it but I also raise it to illustrate how minor trauma can be because imagine if she had said no to him imagine if she had laughed at him but just any sort of negative reaction to that which again I think the vast majority of our parents would have done in our generation then what the child hears and internalizes is you don't know anything. You're an idiot. You're not creative. Don't come up with cool, creative, unique ideas anymore because they're just going to be shut down. That is how, that is the level of critical thinking that a child has. They can't critically think beyond that and say like, okay, well, my parents have been alive a lot longer and they've eaten more things and they just know that it wouldn't taste good. And they're just out here looking out for my best interest. And, you know, eggs are expensive these days and kiwis, I was going to 
to say don't grow on trees, but they quite literally do, don't they? Unless they grow in bushes. But okay, but you know, kiwis are expensive and food is expensive and they don't want to waste food. The kids don't have the capacity for that. They just see the initial reaction and then they fully internalize it because that is the level of critical thinking that they have. Everything that a child experiences, they think is their fault or caused by them. And so in that type of situation, they then receive the message that they can't come up with unique and fun ideas. And then they grow up to be a child who has no interest in the arts, who says, I'm just not creative. I'm just not a creative person. Yes, you are creative. Your parents just fucked it out of you as a kid because they weren't nurturing it and not on purpose. Obviously, like I just listed, there are plenty of good reasons to not make your child kiwi eggs. I'm not saying any parent who doesn't make their child kiwi eggs is, you know, abusing their kids. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that that is then traumatic for children and it does result in them stifling various parts of themselves. Okay. That's that on that. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to quickly talk about where the crawdads sing because I said I would talk about it this week. Um, so obviously it's a massive, massive book, right? It's a multi, multi New York Times bestseller. I don't know if that's how the lists work, but you know, we all, we've all heard, even if you're borderline illiterate, you've heard of where the crawdads sing. You know that it's a big deal. It was turned into a movie. I believe the movie was very well received also. So... I decide to read it, even though I don't usually like things that are very overhyped, but the reviews are so good. And it, I, I found out that it's kind of, you know, thrillery mystery. There's a murder situation. And I like that genre. Now, what it says about me that I'm exclusively reading that genre, I think is something to unpack in another episode. We're not going to get into it today. But when I first started the book, I immediately hated it, which Now, I've talked about when I start a new book, I often mourn and miss my last book. And so I don't take to my new book right away. This was different. I was actually very much over my last book, even though I loved it and it was amazing. But I, when it came to a resolution, I was like, okay, I'm done and I need a break from this book for now. So I didn't go into where the crowd out saying really missing my old book, but I initially hated it. And I realized it was because it was set in the South and it was set in the past. And these are things that I don't like because of my own personal experiences and my own kind of micro traumas around you know, racism and feeling different and not being accepted. And I went to school in the South. I know it's not what the deep South would consider the South, but fucking Southern Virginia is Southern. And, um, and you know, it, it was very white and I felt very different and very not accepted, yada, yada, yada. And I also don't like other points in history because they were less inclusive. Actually, you know, that reminds me in my last MBA class, My professor did this exercise with us that I will never forget. And in fact, maybe you should do it right now. Close your eyes and imagine that you are reincarnated into, well, you can pick the time period and the place 
So the country, the city, whatever, and the time period that you can be reincarnated in, the only stipulation is that you have no idea what gender, what race, what nationality, what ethnicity, what sexual orientation, any of these things you're going to be. So you could come as a black man. You could come as a Jewish non-binary person. You could come as a white lesbian. You could come out as a Hispanic. I mean, do I have to keep giving you iterations of things? Um, Hispanic, bisexual, um, man, um, trans man. I don't know. Like you could come out as any of these varieties, but you get to pick the country and the time period. What country and time period would you pick? I'll give you a sec to think about it or you can pause it, whatever. Um, Just pause it if you don't have something in your head yet. Now, obviously, I don't know what you're thinking, so I can't start poking holes in what you're thinking. But basically, when we did this um, thought exercise in class, people were raising their hands and they're like, oh, what about Australia in this time period? And he's like, "Okay, what if you were aboriginal? And we're like, oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't like that, (laughs) you know? So he went through all these things and it's like, okay, like what about Germany in the 1940s? What if you were Jewish? What if you were Polish, you know? Um, Like what? So basically what the result of this thought experiment was is that this truly is the best time to be alive because if you pick any other time period, anywhere in the world, quite frankly, you can think of a group that is being marginalized so much more than all of our groups are being marginalized right now. Now, does that mean that we are like we've achieved it all and we've done all the work and everything's fine and dandy? No, not at all. There are still so many people who are overtly racist and there all of us still have so much fucking internalized racism, homophobia, all the things. Actually, this weekend kind of fucked up that I'm talking about this, but whatever. This is this is what we do here. So this weekend I was away with a few people staying in a house and the people that I was away with and staying with are extremely progressive people, extremely progressive. Like all of them were out there marching, March of, I mean, June of 2020 for BLM. They're all, uh, you know, ultra, ultra liberal, progressive, like very, I mean, one of them is gay. Like they're, they're all extremely, extremely, extremely progressive people. Yet the number of microaggressions that I heard this weekend that were so not on purpose and so like they were so unconscious of some of the things that they were saying. For example, um, someone said like she was telling a story about something that happened to her where she was uh, like she was somewhere in Virginia and this guy was like yelling at her and like blah 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 and then she said this and someone was like oh my god maybe you shouldn't have responded it like maybe it wasn't safe and she's like no I mean he was like an old white guy and the way my jaw dropped to the floor hearing my extremely progressive friend say that like oh it wasn't that unsafe because he's a white guy if that's not a fucking microaggression I don't know what the fuck is or At some point, um, 
they were telling this story about how one time her and her friend scheduled lunch with some some of the rest of them. And they were like, we have big news to tell you. And the rest of them thought that the big news was going to be that they're gay, that they're in like these two chicks are dating each other. And so they were preparing to, you know, be really supportive and whatever. And then the girl who is the one with the friend who had the big news is like, yeah, I don't know if I should be offended that you guys thought that like we're gay and I was like what that's like what what like the so you'd be like do you not see how that's a might like that do you not see how that implies that it's insulting to be gay again these are very very progressive people like I can guarantee you she didn't even realize that she's saying these things and how offensive it can be or I was talking to the gay guy in the group and I was like oh when did you really like realize that you were gay and like blah blah and we're having this deep conversation about this and she's like oh <laughs> you know let me show you a photo of his childhood where he's like very well dressed and looks kind of um I don't know like a lot of gay stereotypes well put together well groomed well dressed has a very kind of chic type of pose and I was like okay that's not we're not talking about stereotypes about being gay I'm talking about when he realized that he's into men like that's not like this isn't what we're doing right now we're not stereotyping gay people um and so like I just want to point out these weren't like little jokes that were being made because like jokes are one thing it's not like I'm this hypersensitive person but I think that we all have so much more internalized racism, misogyny, and homophobia, and all of the other things than we even realize. And it became apparent to me because these are people who, quite frankly, are much more progressive than I am, you know? So, and I think it's one thing, like, go to the marches, show up, donate, do all of those things. That's wonderful. But you know what's a lot more fucking helpful? actually looking into your subconscious mind, doing that inner work and realizing where do I have these unconscious biases that I'm not even seeing in myself and uh, unpacking those. That is what doing the work is. Anyone can show up to a fucking protest. Anyone can go walk around one day and say like, oh, look what a good ally I am. But are you actually doing the true work to unpack your own unconscious biases because if not then you're not actually being an ally okay that's what I have to say on that back to where the crawdads sing so yeah I realized how much and like that's my own biases unconscious biases coming out I'm not saying the entire south is racist of course that's not true but you know it just it makes me uncomfortable because I still have unresolved stuff from my college years down there so yeah from the get-go I kind of hated it but it was well written and I could see that it was gonna get good and when I tell you this book lives up to the fucking hype now even when I was kind of hating it in the beginning I kept thinking this would make for an amazing movie, so I can't fucking wait to watch it. But now that I've finished it, when I tell you it is so good, it is so fucking good. If you want to start reading or if you already read, read the book. It lives up to the hype and it is very hyped. So for me to say it lives up to the hype is saying something. It is a fucking amazing book and I can't wait to watch the movie. Okay, that's that on that. Um, (laughs) now we're going to be switching gears and we're going to do something very different that we've never done before. And 
we'll see how it goes. If it's a big success, if you guys enjoy this, then we can do it more often. If not, then um, we'll never do it again. <laughs> and that's that on that. Okay, so I went on Reddit and I found stories of people, these am I the asshole stories where people are sharing things that happen and they're like, am I the asshole for doing this or doing that? And I picked some stories that I thought were relevant to the types of things that we talk about on this podcast. So really interpersonal relationships, whether those are romantic relationships, friendships, um, relationship with yourself, familial, whatever types of relationships. And I'm going into this pretty blind. I just kind of skimmed the stories to make sure they were good and they would touch on interesting things, but that's it. I'm going to read the story, which why do I continue to do this to myself? I continue to create situations where I have to read out loud when I hate reading out loud and I'm not good at it, but whatever. And we're going to unpack them together. Again, it's an experiment. We'll see how it is. Um, let me know if you want this type of episode again or not. Okay. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The first story. Am I the asshole for ignoring my friend's phone calls and telling her to fuck off? I, 37 male, have been friends with Lucy, 38 female, for about 30 years. Is that what that says? Hold on. I'm going to read this from my phone so it's closer up to my face. Okay. Lucy always calls me when she has a problem, as we've been friends for so long and I've always been there for her. This can be something as small as editing her resume or something as big as needing a loan to make rent. Unfortunately, Lucy only has one mode, emergency. So whether it's a crisis or a simple problem, she always approaches it in emergency mode. The other day, I was in the middle of taking a timed assessment for work on my phone. I was about five minutes into it when Lucy called me. As I was in the middle of the assessment, I declined the call and put her into voicemail. As soon as I did this, she called back. I once again declined and put her into voicemail. She called back a third time and I did the same. Keeping in mind, every time she did this, it interrupted my assessment. The clock the clock kept ticking and the screen filled with her phone call, taking away the question. She, by the way, so fucking annoying. She texted me, which popped up on the screen, 911 call me. I responded, busy, call you in 20. She replied, please, it's an emergency. I closed the text and continued my assessment. She then started calling again. I put five calls in a row into voicemail. I was behind on my assessment, so I tried to power through, but the stress was getting to me. Lucy texted me again, need you now. I lost it and texted back, fuck off. 
In 30 years, neither of us has ever said that to each other. But in that moment, I just wanted her to leave me alone. She didn't respond, but stopped calling me. When I finished my assessment, I called her back and she threw me into voicemail. I texted her and said I was done and could talk. She replied, it's fine. I took care of it. I later learned that her car had broken down and she needed a ride to work so she wouldn't miss her shift. She wound up calling her father. She was late for work and got a written warning. She's been very cold to me and I feel very badly that I hurt her. I've apologized for cursing at her and she just says it's fine without any further comment. I'm beginning to doubt if my reaction was justified and feel horrible for damaging our friendship. Am I the asshole for how I reacted and not helping my friend when she was in need? Okay. Okay. Number one, I kind of don't think he's an asshole. Now, is it cool to say fuck off to your friend? No, of course not. I do kind of understand it, but it's never okay to say that. In general, though, I see a lot of issues that actually both of them have. Number one, I think both of their nervous systems are a bit dysregulated. And number two, I think that they both need better communication. Now, let me start with Lucy, who who sounds like her nervous system is chronically dysregulated. Lucy sounds like someone who is in the sympathetic nervous system state 24-7. She's always in fight or flight. Any little thing that happens feels like the end of the world for Lucy, and she needs other people to swoop in and come save her and come fix the day. So Lucy really, really needs some serious nervous system work so that she can see that not everything that happens is an emergency, not everything that happens is that big of a deal, and not everything that happens is the end of the world. Now, in this scenario, it was a bit more of an emergency, but it's still not that big of an emergency. Like, why did she get it? Like, how often is she late to work? Like, I just don't see how being late one time should yield in getting a written warning. And it just sounds like she's someone who's so like frazzled all the time that she probably is late to work all the time because her nervous system is so dysregulated that any little trigger that pops up sends her fully spiraling, losing control, etc. So Lucy, number one, just needs a lot of nervous system work. Number two, just um, a little bit of advice for the future. If you're doing something on your phone that's extremely sensitive, turn off notifications, turn off alerts, go into do not disturb mode so that people can't come in because that is incredibly triggering. Now, this person, the person who wrote the story, maybe his nervous system isn't actually chronically dysregulated. In that moment, he was in a bit of a parasympathetic nervous system state, which makes sense because he was taking a timed assessment. So that's a situation where you should be in a bit of a sympathetic nervous system state. You should be a little more activated because you need that cortisol. You need that stress to be driving you. So maybe his nervous system is actually fine, but in that moment, he was in a sympathetic nervous system state. So I kind of retract what I said earlier about maybe both of their nervous systems. I don't know. Obviously, I don't know this man and I don't know more details. But um, so that's not on that. He should have had it on do not disturb, but that's neither here nor there. Now, I want to get at the communication issues. It sounds like 
the person who wrote this in has been annoyed with Lucy for a while. And I understand why, because Lucy sounds annoying as fuck. And specifically when you're around someone whose nervous system is that dysregulated, where every little thing becomes this massive thing, that's a very annoying quality. And our nervous systems are so interconnected and there's so much co-regulation that happens. And so if you're around someone whose nervous system is chronically dysregulated, it dysregulates you as well. And so that is a very annoying thing to be around. I actually have a tremendous amount of empathy and sympathy for this person. And it sounds like he plays savior for Lucy all the time. And he's probably harboring a lot of resentment around that to begin with. So I can see how in this situation where he's doing something timed, he's stressed, he's stressed as he should be, and he's harboring this resentment that he would snap at her. That makes perfect sense to me. And then obviously she was, I mean, five calls in a row that he's sending into voicemail. He's like, I can't right now. Now here's again where communication comes in. She could have communicated what her emergency was. If someone has like every little thing is an emergency for this bitch, then she should actually communicate. Hey, my car broke down, blah, blah, blah. Now, if he's in the middle of this timed assessment, he may not have been able to help her regardless. And it's not his job to be bailing her out all the time. So I think there's a lot of communication issues. And the last communication issue I want to touch on is clearly Lucy's upset. Clearly it's not fine. Clearly she's upset about what he said and she's she has a right to be upset about being told to fuck off again I think there were extenuating circumstances and I don't think this guy needs to be so hard on himself because it sounds like he's been dealing with a lot and not speaking up and that that shit builds up and it overflows and it comes exploding out um but she should communicate that she's upset and he should have communicated that he's tired of her constantly having these breakdowns and him having to bail her out Everyone needs to be communicating better. They should have been communicating better leading up to this. They should have communicated better in the moment. And now their communication is also faulty. The last thing I want to touch on with this is what is the relationship between these two? Because he said that they're friends, but I wonder if there are some boundary issues and I don't know, like maybe he's always had feelings for her and Lucy takes advantage of his feelings for her by using him in a way that you would have a boyfriend. Like it's not his job to bail her out every time she has something pop up. So I'd be a little bit curious as to their relationship and if there's maybe any resentment on either party about where exactly it stands and maybe one person in the dynamic isn't as platonic as the other person. I don't know, but these are all interesting things to look into. Okay. Am I the asshole for not lying to my boyfriend's family? I, 20 female, am vegetarian. My boyfriend, Carl, 26, of five months, loves meat like his family. We have argued over this before with him telling me not eating meat is ridiculous, but by now I've cooked vegetarian meals for him and he likes them. We don't live together, so there's no problem. 
Now, yesterday Eve, his parents who live about three hours away, were hosting a family barbecue where I was supposed to meet them and Carl's brothers, Steve and Pete, and their respective wives, Kate and Liz. I asked him if he could ask them for a vegetarian side dish at least, and he said yes, but not to make it a topic at dinner. So we drove there and he introduced us. Carl's mom told me that she'd made a salad. It was the only non-meat dish, so I ended up eating only salad. While eating, Kate said she imagines it must be hard to eat that little, but she admired it and I was confused. And then Liz asked me how my diet was going. I told them I'm not on a diet, I'm just vegetarian. To say the table was shocked is putting it lightly. Turns out Carl had told them I wouldn't be eating meat because I'm on a diet to lose weight. In parentheses, I'm 94 pounds, mind you. I was getting weird looks for the rest of the night. On the drive home, I asked Carl about it and he snapped at me. He harshly told me I'd embarrassed him in front of his whole family and he couldn't believe I'd break my promise like that. He ignored me the rest of the drive and dropped me off at home with only a bye. I hadn't interpreted the not making it it a topic as not even admitting it and I didn't feel like I was in the wrong, but now I'm not sure since I did uncover the lie in front of his family. Am I the asshole? I am literally speechless. This is one of the strangest fucking things I've ever heard. Clearly, Carl and his entire family have some kind of bizarre judgment around being vegetarian. Why? I have no idea. It's beyond me why they would be judging that. I mean, listen, I know people are sometimes annoyed by vegans and vegetarians, but for it to be at the level where you'd have to lie about it for his family to accept you is really fucking strange. And I don't know what to think about that. Now, why it is that they have such a stigma and issue around vegetarians is beyond me and I'm not even going to address that. Um, In general, you know, I asked Ozzy to lie about some things when we went down to see my family, namely the fact that we live together. No one in my family looks knows and they wouldn't approve of it. And he didn't say anything and he didn't, I mean, it just didn't come up at all. Thank God. But I would understand if he was annoyed by that. I wouldn't love it if someone told me to lie about something in my life. Like, why is your like, why do we have to lie about that? You know, and in my situation, it's very cultural and stuff, but I don't really like it and I don't really fuck with it. And eventually I want to get to a place where I am so secure and firm in myself and my own independence where I don't have to lie to my parents about shit like that because it's not cool. I think it's really fucked up to have ask your partner to lie to your family for you. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really, really, really don't think you're the asshole, but the bigger thing is like, what the fuck is their issue with vegetarians and why would it be better if you at 94 pounds are so concerned with your body that you're not nourishing yourself? Like that would be preferable to them than you just not eating meat. Like that is so 
fucking crazy. But let's put all of those things aside. I want to touch on what I actually think is the most problematic part of this. It's the fact that when Carl is upset, he literally ignored this poor girl, didn't speak to her, and like kind of was gaslighting her, was stonewalling her. Those are all, I think, really abusive behaviors and massive, massive red flags. So I hope this girl ran the fuck away from this weird ass family who is giving me kind of get out kind of vibes. Get out, girl. Get out. Okay, next one. This is kind of fun, right? I mean, you know, the reason I wanted to do this is because I think we learn so much better through other people. uh, Well, not other people, but through stories in general, through shared experiences, through the human experience. So I just thought this could be a fun way rather than me sitting here and like, blah, 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 do this, do that. It might be a more experiential learning type of experience. So yeah. Um, that's why we're doing this again. Let me know what you think of it. Am I the asshole for not allowing my boyfriend to come over after falling asleep and turning off his phone? I'm in a new relationship with a sort of reoccurring problem. The boyfriend has fallen asleep before dates or plans we've made a few times and doesn't show up. He's been under a lot of stress at work and I need to be understanding and give him space if needed, but I feel I could never fall asleep and I have narcolepsy knowing wow she has narcolepsy knowing someone is waiting for me or has cooked for me we've discussed this and he usually feels bad afterwards but this does trigger some abandonment feelings in me he also has told me I overreact when I get upset about this his response varies he doesn't wake up if I send texts or calls asking if he's still coming he is on call for work sometimes and would never do that to work Last night, he said he's taking a nap while I was finishing up at work. His phone was on loud and I should call him at X time. I called him at that time. He didn't answer and then turned off his phone. This makes me uncomfortable because I'm afraid he might do this in the future if I genuinely need him for something. I feel I might be the asshole because I get angry when this happens and he says he's it's not something intentional. He is under a lot of stress at work. I don't want him coming over because... I feel I don't want him coming over and feel like this is indicative of his interest in me because I would never do the same to him, especially turning off my phone. So am I the asshole? Okay, there's an update here, but um, I'm not going to read the update until after my comments. No, you're not the asshole. This is, again, one of the stranger things that I've ever heard. I was going to say maybe he has narcolepsy, but if you have narcolepsy, then I think you'd be able to recognize narcolepsy in someone else. My other guess is that he has an opiate addiction because that's not fucking normal at all, at all. Now, I don't know. Maybe he's cheating. Maybe he's not interested, but... like a lot of people cheat or aren't interested. This seems a little bit deeper. My guess is he's addicted to opiates or benzos and I would get the fuck out of this relationship. And he is gaslighting you by saying you overreact. I mean, it's objectively rude to be doing this over and over and over again. Even one time is a little bit strange, but one time you could let pass. But this is clearly a reoccurring problem. It's really fucking weird. And please stop dating him and start dating someone else. Okay, now I want to read the update. 
Update. Thanks, everyone. There's a lot I left out in this post, but some of you read between the lines more than you know. Okay, I think he's an addict. I've been unsure for a while, and this wasn't even the biggest issue. We broke up. I'm sure there's no one else. He's just not in a place emotionally to receive what I have to give. I'm sure I'll want to go back to him. Uh, I'll read through these responses when I need to be reminded. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, okay. I, my guess is he does have some kind of addiction problem and that's what she's referring to. Um, so yeah, that's that. I'm glad that they broke up, but it also sounds like this girl has some anxious patterning as far as attachment stuff goes, because, you know, she said that when this happens, it triggers these like abandonment stuff in her, which I don't think is, by the way, unreasonable. I mean, if someone is constantly like falling asleep instead of hanging out when you have plans and this is happening over and over and over again, I think even the most secure person would be like, okay, what the fuck is going on? The difference is a really secure person would have easily walked away, whereas someone who has more anxious patterning would sit around and be like, well, maybe I am wrong. Well, maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe I am overreacting. He's under so much pressure at work. No, it sounds like she has some slight anxious patterning. And that actually is a really good tip. If you do have some anxious patterning and you do exit a situation where you're afraid that you're going to cave in and get back with them, keep these reminders of how big of an asshole they are and how everyone else can see it so that you can hold yourself accountable more. Oh, I hope this poor girl is okay. Okay. Am I the asshole for going behind my boyfriend's back and joining a swim team? I, 16 female, and my boyfriend, 17 male, have been dating for two years. Everything was good for the first year until sophomore year of high school when I wanted to do swimming. My boyfriend told me he didn't want me to because the coach and guys on the team will see me with a swimsuit, but I explained to him that it's nothing bad and it's just the attire for the sport. He told me that if I joined the swim team, I would be basically cheating on him and I would be a horrible person if I joined. I really wanted to do the swimming, so I signed up and made the team behind his back and for many months have lied to him that I was going somewhere else when in reality I would be going to practice or swim meets. A part of me feels bad for lying, but at the same time, I think what he said was a little bit too far. So am I the asshole? No, you're not the asshole. I mean, are you dating Jonah Hill? What the fuck is going on here? Um... No, this is an extremely controlling man and you should run the fuck away. Now, is it cool to be lying to your partner that much? No. And do two wrongs make a right? No. The right approach is actually to break up with this person because if those are his views about swim meets, this person's going to be so fucking controlling in the long term. This is not someone you want to date ever, ever, ever. Thank God he's so readily identifying himself as a misogynistic piece of shit so that you can run the fuck away in the beginning. And I'm so sorry that you dealt with this. Also, whatever. I'm not even going to say the last thing I was thinking. Okay, moving right along. Am I the asshole for not letting my wealthy girlfriend pay for my expenses? Me, 23 male, and my girlfriend, 30 female, have been together for two years now. 
Let's call her Faith. So me and Faith met at a mutuals party one night and got talking to each other over the span of a couple of months. Eventually, I built the courage to ask her out and she said yes and we've been dating since. When we met, Faith was already making much more money than me. Two years ago, I was taking home around 50k per year living in a city. We live in separate apartments. Now I make very close to 60k. So honestly, I've been struggling a bit trying to afford rent while paying other loans, etc. Faith was taking home around 250K, give or take, two years ago. Now she makes over 300K. Damn, what the fuck does Faith do for work at 30 years old? What, like, can we get Faith on the podcast? What are you doing, girl? Um, Faith has been paying for a lot of things for me, like gifts, dinner, clothes, etc. I'd be lying if I said I didn't like it. It does feel nice to receive a ton of stuff from my girlfriend. And of course, I return the favor as well, but I can't afford the really nice things she gets me. She says I don't have to get her anything and I believe her when she says that. She's a super genuine person and I respect her a lot. Where the problem comes in is she has really ramped up the talk of her paying down some of my expenses to make things easier for me. We've had dozens of conversations about me moving in with her to save on my rent. She even talked about completely paying off my student loans, which are currently sitting at around 40K and paying off my credit cards, which add up to about 5K. I wholeheartedly refused her and said it doesn't sit right with me for her to do all that. Those are financial burdens I took on and it just doesn't feel right for me to take advantage of her kindness like that and let her take on all the burdens. I'm also not 100% ready to move in with her and take the next step. Honestly, it re- it all got me pretty overwhelmed and we ended up arguing about it. She got really upset and said she can spend her on uh, spend her money on me if that's what she chooses. I agreed and reminded her that I can also just refuse the money from her just the same. This upset her more and we ended up arguing about it for longer. She ended up telling me that I was being a little bit of an asshole about the whole thing. Am I? Basically, it feels like a handout from her and I don't like that feeling. The wage difference and even the age gap have me feeling this way. Am I overthinking this? Should I let her help me out the way she wants? Am I the asshole? No, I don't think you're an asshole at all. And in fact, I think you sound like an incredibly, incredibly amazing, amazing guy. Um... Now, when I first started reading this, I didn't know where it was going. And the first two things that I picked up on were the reverse gender roles, both with age and with money, which are interesting and can be very complicated, even for the most progressive, feminist, you know, anti-misogynistic kind of people. We do still have gender roles ingrained in our heads. So that is a very, very real thing. And, um, you know, we all just have it internalized within us. But this I actually don't don't think is that at all because it doesn't seem like this guy is at all threatened or intimidated by her money or her financial status or her ability to earn money at all, which I think is so amazing. Um, and even if there weren't reverse gender roles, I don't think anyone should pay off anyone else's debt. Like even if let's say this was a 22-year-old chick dating, you know, a 35-year-old super wealthy man, if he offered to pay off her loans, I I would always advise someone to not do that. Now, I think there are situations where 
if there is one person in the relationship that's out earning the other, I think it's fair for them to pick up certain things, especially if like they're demanding a certain lifestyle. So let's say they actually wanted to move in together and she wanted to live in this much nicer place that he wouldn't be able to afford, I think it would make sense and it would only be fair for her to be paying a higher share of that rent, right? Um, Let's say they want to go on vacation and she wants to fly first class and he obviously can't afford it. Then I think it makes sense to be like, hey, I can't afford this lifestyle. So if you want me to be enjoying this lifestyle for you with you, then you'd have to pick up some of the slack. I think that's fair regardless of where the gender roles are. But to be paying off this debt that she had nothing to do with, I don't think anyone should ever accept that because I think that it would down the line yield lead to a lot of issues. I think there could be resentment and I think it could be used in a manipulative or controlling kind of way. And even if the party paying doesn't use it to manipulate or control, I think the party receiving could always feel indebted to them and it just could create a lot of complications. But this guy sounds really sweet and I really want to know what faith does for work. Um, Okay. Am I the asshole for answering my girlfriend's question too boldly? It all started with a little question my now ex-girlfriend randomly asked me during a call. At what weight do you think you would find me the most attractive? Oh, fuck. Okay. For context, my ex-girlfriend is currently class three obese. I don't actually know what that means, but okay. Weighing 264 pounds at five zero. Okay, so my height. And I weigh... um like 93 pounds. I think I was weighed the other day at the doctor um, for context. So 264 at my height is, yeah, that's extremely obese. I'm 147 pounds at 5'8". In terms of sex, we never had any bigger problems. Everything worked fine and I was always visibly attracted to her, even by her own words. We're both 23. Now to my answer. I was thinking for a few seconds and then said it would be at like 133 pounds. This answer instantly made her very upset for multiple reasons. One, it indicates that she would need to lose basically half her weight to reach the number, which is unrealistic in her opinion. Two, she states that I lied to her all all this time about being attracted to her and about liking variety of body types and shapes. My stances were, one, I did not say a crazy number that would indicate that I would want her to be skinny or anything like that, because even at that weight, she would still be classified as slightly overweight. That is true. 133 pounds at my height. Again, I know these things because it's my exact height would actually technically be overweight still. Um, obviously like even if you're a couple inches taller, 130 pounds is not overweight, but at my height, it is technically overweight. I also later backed down from the numbers saying that I obviously can't really know what she would look like. So this is just a random guess anyway. And that maybe her beauty peak for me could even be at, um, a higher weight. He wrote it in kilograms. I'm not going to say it. Uh, This did not help because she still considers that to be too little. She told me that she expected to stay 
um, 90 kilograms, maybe 80 kilograms at minimum. Uh, two, even though my perfect weight for her would be very different, doesn't mean that I can't be strongly attracted to her now. And I think our sex life proves this point. Three, she doesn't have a right to be this upset over it because she literally asked me and wanted to know. During this argument, she also implied that I should have lied to her. I know I could have said what I thought she wanted to hear instead of an honest answer, but then what's the point of even asking the question if you're not even interested in hearing real answers? Was I wrong for not lying or do I need to learn to sugarcoat things? If I refuse to answer, she would just keep insisting. I know that from previous experience. Okay, this is a really tough one and it actually really reminds me of this BB Rexa thing that just happened. Was it BB Rexa? I think it was. Hold on, let me just look it up before I continue talking. Um... By the way, when I tell you, I don't even really know who BB Rexa is. Um, yeah, it was BB Rexa, right? With the text with the boyfriend. So basically, BB Rexa, if you're not familiar with the story, it's a few year, a few weeks old now. Um, shared this text from I believe her now ex boyfriend. Although if they weren't broken up before that, I would imagine they'd be broken up now. Where. I think she tried to make it out like he was body shaming her, but, and we don't know what any of the context was. Hold on. I'm going to read his text to her. She screenshotted and shared his text to her. And I think was again, trying to shade him for body shaming. And I don't necessarily agree. Hold on. Let me find the text. I hate when these articles don't just have the text. Okay. He said, Hey, I never said you weren't beautiful. And I never said I didn't love you. In fact, I said how beautiful you are and how much I loved you. But I always said that I would be honest with you and your face was changing. So I told you it was, that was the conversation we were having. And you asked, because I care, would you rather I lied to you? You gained 35 pounds. Obviously, you gained weight and your face changes. Should I have pretended it didn't happen and that's okay? Come on, I gained three pounds and you call me chubs and fat. Doesn't mean you don't love me. If you're trying to find reasons to break up, this makes sense. But if, but it's not the real reason. If you're unhappy with me, yourself, slash life, and don't see a future with us, and then that's okay, and that's the reason. Don't use something like that to weaponize your anger or anxiety or any insecurity you may have. You know I always found you to be beautiful and love you no matter what. I think it's important for you to think about things and write things down. Speak to a therapist and do this retreat thing to get to the root of the problem. Let me know if you'd like to speak, if you need more clarity love you. So I think she shared this trying to be like, look, he's body shaming me. And I think most people were like, I don't really think so. Because it sounds like, and I don't know, we just have to fill in between the lines that she asked him, hey, you know, I know I've gained weight. Has my face changed? And he said, well, yeah, it has changed. Here's the thing. How often do women ask men like, oh, am I gaining weight? Do I look okay? Does this look good on me? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, men just say yes. I, you look great. No, you haven't gained weight. I haven't noticed. I do think that that is the right answer. I don't think you should be honest in these scenarios. That being said, these are slightly different scenarios, right? Um, 
I think BB Rex's boyfriend probably should have not been honest. That's what I think, unless they have the type of relationship where he knows that he can be honest about this and she would be receptive to this. Like I know couples where they're not that sensitive about their weight. Like I know I have this couple friend who um, they're they both have been pretty overweight the entire time they've been together. And then in the past year or so, they've both actually been losing weight and both of their weights have fluctuated, but they've both been pretty overweight. So they've always had a very open dialogue about their weight and neither of them are that sensitive about it. Like she would say like, listen, I'm fat. I know I'm fat. It is what it is. And you know, so like they they can talk about these things very openly and like he can be like, yeah, like she'll, she can be like, wait, am I gaining more weight? And he can be like, yeah, actually, I think you have, you know, and they're fine with these things. I don't know a lot of women who have that relationship with their body and can just hear that. So unless you really, really know that she's okay with it, I just wouldn't be honest, honestly. But with this Reddit situation, it's a little bit different. A, because this woman is actually like very clinically obese and to the point where it is a health situation for her. But here's the thing. And he said like she would have kept nagging, yada, yada. I don't think he should have fully lied, but I think he could have said something in between. Like when she said, at what weight do you think you would find me the most attractive? I think he should have said something like, I don't know. I have no idea. I haven't seen you at other weights. I've seen you at the weights that I've seen you, and I've always found you beautiful. I think that I would find you the most attractive at a weight where you are most happy with yourself and you are most confident because I love you, and seeing you as the happiest, most vibrant version of you would be the most attractive thing to me because at the end of the day, your happiness is what I love. That would have been an amazing answer. That's how he should have answered. So do I think he's necessarily this massive asshole? No. Um, I kind of understand. I, I think that would have been the best answer. And at the end of the day, that's what's true. I mean, when someone is the most confident is when they're the most attractive, no matter what weight. That really is the truth. Okay. Let's do one more. Am I the asshole for asking if my boyfriend wants to be vegan around my family? I haven't read this yet, but maybe this chick. I don't know, but this chick and that other person should connect. I don't know. Okay, let's see what's going on here. I, 24 female, have been dating Sam, 27 male, for a few months now. Sam is vegan and I've never had a problem with that. Veganism, as far as I'm concerned, is good for the environment and a personal choice. I'm not vegan, but have in the past have had a vegetarian diet. Okay, sorry, it's written weird. Um, for these reasons, veganism, veganism has never been a point of contention between us. The issue comes with visiting my parents. <laughs> my parents like to put on dinner parties and invite Sam and I to them. Due to my mom's love of dinner parties, she'll make a starter, main course, dessert, and even some snacks beforehand, pulling out all the stops. But because 
sorry, because Sam is my partner and I don't want to give her any more work than is necessary for one of these parties, I'll visit my parents before the party, cook a full vegan meal, starter main course dessert finger foods for Sam before he and any of the other guests arrive. Wow, that's really nice of her. I've put a lot of effort into making great and varied meals for him. I will keep finding new impressive dishes to make for to make Sam and eat them too. So he's not alone in enjoying the meal. I am a good cook. I have friends ask me all the time to make them specific dishes for their parties. And I've been in the kitchen for as long as I can remember. So whatever I make is a nice meal. We've done this at least five times now. Every time there's a party, however, Sam will fill half his plate with the vegan food I've made before asking my mom if it's okay if he tries what she's made too. What? I at first thought this was politeness. He's vegan and doesn't eat anything non-vegan otherwise, as far as I know. My mom is a great cook, so he likes whatever it is that she's made and will continue eating it side by side with my food. I eventually did say to him he shouldn't feel the need to eat my mom's cooking as it's not vegan and he says he likes her food, wants to keep eating it. Interesting. So he's not actually vegan. Over the course of these parties, he's eating less of whatever I've gone through a cons- well, he's eating less of whatever I've gone through a considerable amount of effort to make and more of what my mom has made or just begun to hurt my feelings as I'm trying to accommodate him and it seems sort of pointless. So I asked Sam if he wanted to be vegan around my parents at all. It would save me time, money, and effort if he really just loved my mom's food. I wouldn't mind. He's eating it anyway and it would remove some stress from my life not having to rush to get to my parents to make his second three-course meal for him if he wasn't going to be enjoyed. He said I should keep making his food for him because he does enjoy having the variety. I said the variety wasn't a good enough reason to put that much effort into these foods when the purpose isn't for variety. It's so that he doesn't have to keep eating anything non-vegan. He's upset at me for suggesting I should I stop making him vegan food for these events because then he'd feel excluded. So am I, am I the asshole? No, you're not the asshole. Your boyfriend sounds like a massive asshole. He's not even vegan if he's choosing to not eat to eat non-vegan food. Why the fuck would you put this much effort? Like, it is so kind, generous, and sweet of this person to be doing this. Like, to A, be making sure that her quote unquote vegan boyfriend has food to eat at these dinner parties, but also not putting that burden on her parents and doing it all herself. What an amazing angel of a person. Quite frankly, she might have some slight codependency problems, but I don't think so because she actually has good boundaries where she's like, wait, if you're not even eating this and you're eating the regular food, then why am I putting all this effort in? No, you are not the asshole. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with your boyfriend. Um, Yeah, that's really, really strange. I don't... Okay, I was going to have this be the last one, but it's kind of lame. So should we do one more real quick? Am I the asshole? Girlfriend is mad because I won't give her a copy of apartment keys. Hey, all. Wanted to reach out to the community on this one. Am I the asshole? For full context, I dated this girl for a year. We broke up for five years and remained acquaintances, although at times rocky. Then four months ago, we started dating again. Recently, I moved into the local city to, one, be in the midst of that urban environment, and two, be closer to her. We are now within walking distance, about half a mile. So far, I've lived in my new place for a month. Almost immediately, she wanted me to give her a copy of the keys so that she can be there when I'm not there. I said I just moved in and wasn't ready to do that yet. 
I'm an introverted, introverted person and one of those people who really likes his space and giving someone a copy of my keys is a big step for me. Now, the context in which she got mad at me in particular was when she stayed overnight and in the morning I had to leave to go to the office because it was an office day. That means I had to leave around 6 to 6.30 to get to the office on time. She was still sleeping, so I woke her up and said I was sorry, but we had to head out. She knows I had to uh, had to leave to be in the office around that time. She got annoyed and told me to let her sleep for another hour, but I said I needed to go to the office. Then she told me to leave the keys here and she will let me in when I get back. Oh my God. So she wanted to stay all day. I didn't want to do that and it escalated from there. I started to get agitated because I knew at that point I was going to be late for work. Anyway, to make it a, to make a long story short, she got mad that I wouldn't leave the keys with her. I reluctantly left it for her once before in a similar situation where I needed to get to work and she was fighting me for the keys. And it turned into her asking for a copy of the keys again. She stayed quiet and angry when she started walking back to her place and I went to work. I did apologize to her for getting agitated with her, and I told her I was trying to get to work on time. However, she hasn't responded. I'm a very introverted person, and while not opposed um, to giving her a copy of the keys to my place, that's a huge step for me, and it takes a bit longer for me to get to that point than an extroverted, oh, to get to that point than an extroverted person. There are also some other aspects of her that in my gut makes me hesitant to turn over keys as well. These include recently she's been referring to my place as our place. She would make decorating recommendations, which is great. And I've uh, been implementing those ideas when I like them. But whenever I buy a piece of furniture or decoration that I like, she gets annoyed and argues about it. She believes that a man in the relationship should pay for most things, all dates, vacations, house, etc. Her job stability has been rough for the past six months. I've had to pay her rent a couple of times where she lost her job and is now temping. So I get nervous that one day she might just end up moving in and I'll have to support her financially. Um, no, I don't think you're the asshole at all. Like not even a little bit. Um, now, I do think this is a situation where conscious communication would be so helpful. And I it sounds like she's someone who might not have the easiest time accepting being told difficult news. And it sounds like, honestly, her nervous system is a bit dysregulated. But number one, I just want to say for women, don't ever do this shit. And we're not about like games and playing it cool and shit like that on this podcast. But If you are even remotely inclined to start referring to someone else's apartment as your shared apartment, if they haven't invited you to move in, don't do that. And if you consider that to be a game, then there are way deeper, there's way deeper work that you need to do. Um, I think this is a situation where conscious communication would be tremendously helpful. Like he needs to sit her down when things aren't agitated and be like, hey, I really love you. I really love our relationship and I'm so happy we found our way back to each other. But I also want you to understand that I am a very extroverted person and I really value my personal space. Down the line, if things keep going well together, we will obviously move in together. You'll obviously have my keys before then. All these things would happen, but I'm not there yet. 
And I really need you to respect my boundaries and my own personal process and my personal growth and my timeline. And if, you know, needing to share apartment keys right away or moving in right away is something that you really need from a relationship, I have to be honest with you, that's something that I can't give you. But I think these concerns are really, really valid. And um, no, I don't think you're the asshole at all. Okay, that's that for this week. Let me know what you guys thought of this. Let me know if you enjoyed this format and if you want me to do these more often. And if not, then we don't have to. But I thought they were kind of fun stories and good learning opportunities for all of us. Um, As always, rate, review, subscribe, share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it, learn something from it, appreciate it. Um, We're doing the August giveaway now. So if you leave a review, you'll automatically be entered and I will randomly select someone at the end of the month who will win a free six-month membership to the Blush Academy. Okay. Love you guys. Bye.